in the house. Let me hear your bark. Let me see your bite. Let me see your scars. You know what we about. Come see us in the yard. Hello, and welcome to a special edition of All We Hear is Purple. We're the third or fourth most mediocre Husky football podcast on the internet, and today we're venturing into ground we've dipped our toes into before, but dipping our toes even more deeply in it today. I'm joined, as usual, by Gaby Lucas, and also by an Olympian and a national champion, the great Danielle Lowry. Gaby, Danielle, how are you doing tonight? That was a yeah, Maybe you yeah. go first. Uh, sure. I'm um, sweating my entire body off. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, dang it. I guess if we just dated this podcast, this is the heat wave podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, all things considered, I'm not dead of heat stroke. <laughs> that's the, uh, that's my standard right now. Yeah. I'm not one to talk either. Cause I'm in Florida in the summertime. So we're talking like 90 degrees with a ton of humidity. So yeah. I think we both got it bad right now. I know. <laughs> I know. I was about to like, when I was thinking about this, I thought like, this will be the first time I'll ever look somebody in the eye and say, I'm jealous of you being in Florida in June. Um, yeah. but I still don't think, I don't think we could do that. <laughs> yeah. My husband was saying it's pretty bad right now. I feel bad for him. It's yeah. Tough. Yeah. I mean the Canadian, um, the Canadian new national record for temperature was hit yesterday and like somewhere in the Okanagan. And I'm just like, oh, this is, this is un, unideal, <laughs> but yes. um, yeah. How, I mean, how, so how long have you been right now? You've been, in, you were in Illinois first with the mm-hmm. Canadian wild team. And then mm-hmm. was that like a month and then a week or so in Florida right now? Yeah. Um, we were there for about five and a half weeks in Marion playing at a rent one park. So the independent baseball uh, facility, which is beautiful, but who it, it was, we were struggling in, in Marion, Illinois. It was, you're talking like 90 to 95 degrees every day. There's no water around. So you're not really getting much of a breeze. Um, but it, it was what our team needed to do. We grinded through some stuff. And then now we have about, uh, we leave to go to Tokyo um, on July 6th. So we got about a week and then right. we're off okay. to the races. Nice. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm, uh, this sounds like that's such a, this is such a redundant, stupid thing to say, but I'm so, so excited for softball to be back. I'm sure you are too. Um, obviously, (laughs) um, but when they announced, when they announced, what was it? 2017 or so when they announced that softball was coming back, did you take, was it like an instant I'm in, or did you kind of have some time of being like, Oh, this sounds great. Who knows? before you really felt like, yeah. Yeah, I never, um, when that news came out, it was not like going off in my brain to do this again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it was announced, I don't know exactly. I, I wanna say it was the summer of 2016 because I knew that the Olympics was happening for a while. And then it was the summer of 2017 um, when I remember watching the World Cup of Softball and hearing Michelle Smith, um, who was an ESPN analyst and, one of the greats say she was at her best at 34, 35. And then I just kind of had this like light bulb moment where I was like, man, I'm 30 years old. I I was going to be turning 30 the next year. And I had these two kids, which definitely makes it a lot more challenging than just saying yes. But um, if it wasn't for Michelle saying that to be really like Frank, I don't think I'd be sitting in this, you know, house with my teammates training to go to my second Olympics. So I'm, I'm grateful. I was in the position I was in. 
while my littlest at nine months was napping and I was <laughs> watching that sitting in the Cape house and then all of a sudden just hit me and here I am. Yeah. I, um, I love that, that you bring up your kids. Cause I feel like, I feel like there's kind of this irony of how people tend to view athletes who have kids and then come back that yeah. I feel like we act like it's almost like a career ending injury. <laughs> and yet yeah. also we don't appreciate fully what it takes to kind of come back and really get back into shape. Cause it's more than just like, oh, I have to lose the baby weight, you know, like, like yeah. I've seen my sister go through having three kids and, um, it's so impressive, but it's also so, so doable if, if, you know, if you have that right mental toughness and mindset. Yeah. And it will, and I did it twice. Right. So I had uh, my first daughter in 20 December, 2013, and had signed my contract to play with the UCSSA pride the summer of 2014. So I went back to play with Maddie when she was about six months old, five and a half months, I got on that plane. Um, and it's crazy because that trip and doing that um, made me realize that I did not put myself in the best position to be successful. Um, obviously, that's not a lot of time to get yourself prepared. Um, and that was my first pregnancy, my first kind of with everything. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't in that mental state of mind to just understand what it took to get back to what I used to be as an athlete, because I feel like what makes me feel great is making sure that I leave no stone unturned throughout the journey to get me to where I need to be. And I just didn't understand how to put myself in the best position with this new little baby, just got married, the list goes on. So getting to do it again after two kids, like when I had the conversation with the coach, our head coach, and I remember him saying to me um, in the one-on-one -on -one conversation, and he was like, I don't even know if you'd be in a position to make this team. And I'm sitting there and it's just this like, whoa, bro, you're coming at me with that? Like what I've always learned is that like, if I'm going to, especially with like an Olympic team, right? Like if I'm gonna help and I would do nothing but put myself in that absolutely best position to help the team qualify for an Olympics, which I wanted to do. Um, and then hopefully get that chance to go to the Olympics. So for me, it has been one of the coolest rides doing this again at 34 with two kids and unbelievable supportive husband. Um, and I'm at my best that I've ever been not so much like the athlete I was at UW cause that's not mm -hmm. it, but on every other level, like mentally, emotionally, physically, like, um, it's really cool. The life experience in between these two Olympic games, 13 years, you learn a lot about yourself. Um, and, and your work ethic and what drives you to be the best that you can be. So I'm very lucky to be where I'm at. I, and I really mean that. I've, I went into this journey when I left in March, leaving my kids and my husband um, saying like, I need to be fully present and be where my feet are at. Like I can't be dipping my toes half in, half out, missing my family and not going to practice and working my absolute tail off, not doing things to the best of my ability because then it's not worth me being away from my family. Yeah. Um, not easy, um, but always worth it, in my opinion, right? If you if you work to the level that you know you can, that's the one thing you can control. I cannot control the outcomes of what these Olympic Games are going to be. It's going to mm -hmm. be weird. It's going to be a pandemic Olympics, COVID, very different. Um, but business trip mentality all the way for me at this point. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I kind of, I like what you said about it being like, you have to be fully committed and right there present every every day. Cause otherwise, you know, is it, it, it wouldn't be worth it. Um, mm -hmm. because I, I kind of went down a rabbit hole the last, uh, I don't know, I guess it'd be like month or so now with, with, um, the women's college world series and, and UW's 
uh, you know, I'm sad they had to end at super regionals, but, um, and one of the things that I ended up on, it was uh, like an interview, I think it was with ESPN that you did and just talking about like, I think, I don't know, I don't know if you said this or if the, the author put it in their own words that like motherhood being the most important thing, but it's not the only thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that it seems to me like a lot of times when people talk about athletes who are parents, um, especially women, that we like to, people frame it like some binary of like, you're either doing something for your kids or your family, mm-hmm. or you're doing something for you and your sport. And to yeah. me, that seems like it's a naive way of thinking about it to the point of just being untrue. Cause like, I think of, you know, growing up with our, you know, all of us here are millennials <laughs> and like our, our moms didn't get the chances that we did. And so I think of, I'm almost kind of a little bit jealous of your daughters. Cause like, I think what could be more valuable than like watching your mom normalize grit and being elite <laughs> and, and greatness yeah. and like, just, just like going for it, you know, like, mm-hmm. I think maybe, you know, stuff can be tough now, but like that lesson that they will be learning, whether they, you know, consciously think about it or not, because they're young is, yeah. that seems so valuable to me that to be able to have that. Yeah. You, and you go through your ebbs and flows with it, like making the decision to come back to do this definitely was not easy. And I remember after I had Madison and I went back to play and then I hung up the cleats after 2014, the summer, um, I just went through this really weird phase. Like I was still broadcasting with ESPN and um, I was still doing things to fill my bucket, but I'm not a lifer playing this game. And I'm a hundred percent ready to hang them up, Mm -hmm. right? Like I just, my body hurts. There's a lot going on. I love it to death, but I've just kind of hit this place where I know that my time is limited. Um, but I also got to this place after I retired where I just didn't feel like it was like the right time yet. Like I was doing it because I was supposed to, like I had to, because I had a baby now and it's, Mm -hmm. that should be the main responsibility. Um, and you you always hear, right? Like you get married and the first thing someone says to you is like, Oh, when are you going to have a kid? Like, like, (laughs) all of these things, like your life is supposed to go a certain way and you're supposed to fit into this box. And it's like, I've never fit into that box. And that's what I've always appreciated about my family and my upbringing. We're meant to be, you know, ones that pedal to the metal. And if there's something or a goal that we want to achieve, like we got to work our absolute tail off to do that. Nothing's Mm -hmm. easy in life. And we've learned that from a young age. Um, And my kids have challenged me to become a better version of myself to where like, I've, I had insecurity moments after I had Madison to the point where like it was deep and dark for a little bit. I'm not going to say postpartum, but like where it made me realize that like these little eyes are looking at me mm-hmm. like the same sex parent to me is such an important role model for those kids. Totally. Yeah. So like what I say to myself, how I choose to speak about myself, how I, I speak about other people, how we talk in our household, all of these things. I personally noticed that like I needed to change because I want to raise little badass kids and I want them to be confident in themselves. And I want them to know that they may not be like the first one that's on the, the front of my mind right now while I'm doing this, because this is the hardest thing that I've ever had to do be away training at this level. But obviously like they're the front runners for me of making this choice to do this again. Um, and I've been journaling every single night in these books for them and just like jotting down every emotion of, of something that went on at practice or, 
just little memories that I remember throughout the Olympic games, memories of like a tough day at practice and just everything. So for them to be able to take something after this was so huge to me, you know, especially when I think about going at the Olympics and being able mm-hmm. to like write everything that happened and, and be able to like make this into a book for them. Um, because this game, it, it's more than a game like sports create you and mold you into the people that you are because of the things you got to do to get to that level, the work ethic, the sacrifices, there's so much that goes into sports and I'm not the same woman. I am sitting here in front of you guys. If it's not for obviously the life lessons that I've learned throughout. Um, and, and I'm hopeful that I can teach my kids a little bit about it. I'm okay. If they don't want to play softball, I just want them to be great at whatever it is that they choose to do. Um, and I will be their number one supporter. So yeah. Yeah, they excited I to to oh, watch okay. you play this summer. Have they been? Uh, is there a plan? I am assuming they're not allowing uh, families to travel no. to Japan, which is a shame. I mean, it is and it isn't, but uh, yeah, under different circumstances. But are are, are they going to be able to stay up late and, and and watch you play on TV? I I think my husband definitely will do that. He'll <laughs> let them do that. Um, some of the games actually time up where they're mid midday games, which is kind of weird because they're super early morning games. We play one game at like nine a.m. and Japan, (laughs) which I think is like the nighttime. No one should be playing a game at 9 a.m. We'll just say that. Um, But they'll be able to watch some different things. I don't think my littlest, Audrey's four. I think she knows what's up and she thinks it's cool. But Maddie like knows, like she's been to bullpens with me. She has seen me grind. She asks if I'm okay when we lose. Like all of those things that like you don't think a seven-year-old will really get. I think that's kind of the age where she will remember and she'll be able to be like, wow, you know, I, I, I got to see my mom set this goal, which will be four years total in, in August of me doing this and seeing where we started to where we're at now. And the cool thing is we have iPhones and pictures and videos and all these things that we can use to help uh, just remember these times. And they'll remember because I'm never going to let them live <laughs> this down. Like if mommy did this and it was hard. <laughs> what you're complaining about right now is not hard. So, oh my God. I love- like, yeah. Well, I went to the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> I love that I so much. Retirement to go to the Olympics. You can yeah. Finish your, Do your homework. math homework. I know. Do your math homework. Your dad. I, yeah. Ask your dad. I will not help you with the math. homework. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, I would, if I were, um, if I were you just like any, if anytime they complain, just throw up the whole, like I threw 15 innings against yeah. <laughs> I know you couldn't pay me to do that again. <laughs> I was so did, hard. Did um did you watch this? This is the closest thing I've seen to coming to that. Did you? I assume maybe watch the um Gabby Plains double header against Michigan at all? Where I think that was like yeah. two hundred ten pitches. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, yes. that, that was insane. <laughs> it was, and I I I was nervous. Like it's cool being able to like be an analyst, but I still like get nervous for the athletes because it's like. I remember all of that. Like it was mm-hmm. yesterday, right? Like, especially the Gabby plane situation with her having to go the, the, the two games in a row, because it reminded me of when we played OU, we lost night one, and then we had to come back the next day and we had to beat them twice. So like, I remember that moment vividly. So like I had texted Gabby right away um, before they were heading into the next day and just said like, you know, just a couple little like nuggets of, of things that I use to put myself in that position to just go to war. And when your back's up against the wall, I mean, there's just no one better, right? Especially with mm-hmm. Gabby. And I think just being able to connect that way, obviously Husky softball is the reason as to why I wanted to live and stay with my family in Seattle, because they're going to have a piece of me and my heart forever. And I want mm-hmm. my, my children to be around that university. 
So I will forever help the Huskies um, because they gave me an opportunity as a small town kid yeah. from Langley to live out my dream and help make some big things happen at that u- university. So um, I was stoked for Gabby. I'm really <laughs> proud of her that day. Yeah, that was, I think, I think um, we, we had talked about this, I think on a podcast right in between the Michigan and Oklahoma one, but that was such a defining moment of being able to really go down like five give up five runs against a pitcher that had two hit them or three hit them the day before and then somehow for them for that whole team and especially her just to have that mental toughness was I think that is a level of human achievement that is so beyond what most of us can really fathom um well, I was curious about that. Your experience was like watching a game like that because yeah. it, like KB said, it's almost impossible for people like us to fathom. Uh, maybe not in your case, you probably can fathom it. I know you said mm-hmm. that you were nervous watching it. Is that yeah. your experience in general when you watch uh, Husky softball or do you, do you feel like a, a competitive fire, like you're part of the team in a sense, or like what kind of response do you get watching it? And how's that different from, you know, ham and eggers like us <laughs> yeah no for sure like you remember the emotions of it because because you've lived it like I I lived that I I eat and breathe that sport at Washington like when I when I was done and we lost I was really ready to be done because like the pressure at times that I had to deal with of being the only one to throw and if I throw bad we lose and if I throw good we win on an 18, 19 and 20 year old young woman is a lot. And it's not to say that like the game has not evolved because it has, you have pitching staffs now more so than just that one pitcher. But I think why I was so nervous for Gabby is just because I like felt for her. I know that this game is just so mental at times. And you just, you think that it's your life. And what Mm -hmm. I've learned being back now is that like the game doesn't rule my life. Like there's more perspective for me of like, okay, if I mess up or I have a bad game, like obviously you don't want that to happen at the Olympics, but I've prepared myself for whatever the outcome may be based on my work ethic to just go and play and let whatever's going to happen, happen. Right. And if you got to dig deep and grind, you make that happen. Um, but it's not easy at 21, 22 years old, um, being that top dog, having to throw every inning. And I get nervous because it's just it's in my blood because I know it and it's funny we were in a tight game with with um, team Canada against the pride and we had um, you our usual starter go in my role in the closing position and we had a bases loaded one out and I'm sitting at the end of the dugout like power humming to myself like no one stand by me like I'm sitting on the bucket like I can feel my heart going but it's funny because when I'm in that position and it's me it is calm as a cucumber but when I have no control of it, I get nervous because I want them to do well, <laughs> which makes me realize when I would see my dad in the stands at, at the Women's College World Series, literally looking like he was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> That's the reason why, like not having control over the situation sometimes is like, can get you. Um so, yeah, <laughs> you, you know, that's the first answer that I think, or the first thing that you have talked about where my mom would uh, really relate just from watching, like she gets that way with, obviously it's not her own kids, but with the Seahawks where she's like, I hate watching sports. This is, I, I can't yes. control anything. Yes. Um, but yeah, um, do, so, so a little bit, now that we are talking about UW a little bit, um, I mean, for one, every, every pitcher's 
since you've come around has been, you know, compared to you. Um, and, and which I think is so funny because I, I was, I was a kid when Caitlin Noble came in and we were like, oh my God, this is like our new phenom. And then you came in the next year later and we're like, what the, pardon my friend, like, what the fuck? We have two? <laughs> yeah. And this yeah. one's like even better. Um, yeah. So, uh, but um, I feel like Gabby Plain is probably the first one to really be mentioned in the same breath as you. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, but what's it like to watch somebody who is, I don't know how your personalities are off the field, but watching you play, I think I once referred to it as it was like watching um, batters get mauled by a grizzly bear versus um, Gabby playing. It's like watching you, it's like watching Pikachu strike someone out. Like she's just so, (laughs) she's like, she's so, seems so happy go lucky and her, her, from her, from her circle presence to her skill set. Like it's, it's, I think it's fun as a fan to watch now we you know are probably two most legendary pitchers be complete opposites yeah um but what what is it like just from from your own perspective of being one of those opposites to just see somebody come in and and maybe reach your heights or be 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 considered in that tier with a totally in a totally different methodology yeah it's tough because it's like I think sometimes these women come in and it's an automatic of like needing to be what I was when it's like, you're never going to be what I was as I'm not going to be what you are. You don't need to come in and try to be me. You need to be the best version of yourself for the team. And it's hard because this game has evolved so much with the pressures of it. And there's a lot, right? Like you have four years to become the best version of yourself and you want to be that elite pitcher right from the get go and you want to start. Um, but I also dig the fact that with pitchers these days, there's so many different types of them there's not one way to do it there's not that like like I'm a competitor and like I literally will look like I'm going to like eat you alive but that's (laughs) that's always been like why I've enjoyed the game right like I love it's almost like an alter ego like I can cross the lines and be whatever the hell I want to be in the circle and the work ethic allows for you to be that you can't just fake it and all of a sudden be like oh yeah I'm just this great like my life has allowed for me to feel like I've worked my absolute ass off as hard as the most talented, probably in the whole entire world at this sport. So you should be allowed to have that swagger in the circle and let that come out. And then I look at Gabby playing and it, it almost looks like she just has that little like uh, dangler with like the thing with a mouth, like a cat where the cat yeah, tries to attack yes. it and she just like moves it. Like yeah. she just looks like so calm and cool and collected and defenses play different behind different pitchers right like people like watching sis Bates play defense behind Gabby is awesome like you Mm -hmm. can just tell that they feel confident in Gabby and when she is just that little smirk like she smirks out there and I'm like what the hell is she thinking (laughs) like I want to know like when she pops that little smirk like what she's thinking about like so it just makes it fun like it's unique that each pitcher has their own different style their own different things they think about and there's not one way to do it. The beauty of it is you can be any shape or size um, and be excellent at it if you choose to do that. Yeah. Oh man, I love I love that that description of the little cat like yeah. <laughs> dangling around. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I I also love you he- love hearing you say that like you just want to know what she's thinking because that's that's kind of I feel like how how all of us feel. We're like you're so like I know that that this is just your face just smiles <laughs> but like what yeah. how are, I don't know it's it's really impressive 
but then also um back to the canada thing um uh back to team canada and the olympics um so if if in a alternate universe where they the olympics don't take softball out um it's there at london and rio do you think how do you do you think there's or how do you think your you as a player would be different or how do you think your life would maybe be different yeah that's a really that's like a really hard thing to just spring on you right now without <laughs> thinking about no, it no me and um me and Jen Salling were roommates here yeah. with Kaylee Rafter and uh, we were talking about that the other day we were watching some clips of the 08 Olympics last night mm-hmm. um and we're sitting there and we're like dude like we would have potentially an additional two other Olympics under our belts right now, if it wasn't taken out, um, I probably would not have stayed for both. Um, I met my husband in, in 2010, so I would have hundred percent done the 2012 Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think I probably would have kind of figured out what that next phase of like what him and I are. And if we were choosing to have kids and stuff, um, that's how, that's how I would probably envision it. Um, but the cool thing now is that like, I can't see it any differently to me. It's so clear Mm -hmm. that it was supposed to be this way with like, like watching the clips last night and seeing myself at 21 years old game one that I threw against Venezuela, I literally look like a deer in headlights (laughs) and and not in a good way. Like, yeah, I'm like the difference that 13 years makes in number one, just your experience, but like your overall confidence in your craft and just being able to deal with emotion and adrenaline and everything. And just trying to stay like, even, um, it just made me realize like, I'm grateful that I've gotten this time because I feel as ready as I possibly can be to put myself in the position for whatever's asked of me. Um, I'm, I think I'm more sad for the women that didn't get the Olympic opportunities. Like, I'm very fortunate to have went in 08 and got to walk in an opening ceremonies and my brother was there and my family was there. And, um, did I appreciate it? Like I would now? No, but that's, that's young and immaturity. Um, but there's a lot of women that didn't get the opportunity to, to to walk into an Olympics and represent their country that should have, and that's a crime. Um, so to me, it's like taking such a greater responsibility in that now to put on a good show. Um, so it's like we just take such a great responsibility and like putting on a good show for that because it's the fact that it's not in in 2024 sucks but it will be there in 2028 and some other women on our team if they choose to stay which a, a lot will retire but there'll be a good chunk that can stay um we'll get the chance to hopefully represent Canada again at, at the 2028 Olympics so it's it's crazy to think that there would have been some of us that this would be our fourth Olympics. Yeah. I, um, I, I, when I think about what, you know, that being those, uh, 2012 and 2016 Olympics being taken away, the, the thing, like I, I, I lived in BC for four years and my, like probably most of my friends are Canadian now. Um, uh, in, including a friend from Ontario who texted me earlier today, to just like, make sure you're still alive and haven't sweat into a puddle of nothingness. Um, but I think the one thing that I really appreciated, I think that the, the definitive difference, I think it between um, Americans and Canadians that I kind of got to know is that Americans, the way I put it is Americans love America, but Canadians love Canadians. And I feel like 
when you look at your guys's stars, when people achieve greatness or whatever you want to call it um, in Canada, I feel like the, you you guys become so beloved in a way that Americans it's like a foreign concept almost like I think of Tessa Virtue and Scott Moyer and how how revered and beloved they were and granted that kind of went worldwide for a little bit there <laughs> but mm-hmm. um like that would never Americans can't really re- relate to that almost or or like the tragically hip when they played their final concert before Gord Downey you know they knew he was dying of brain cancer and they played his final concert and one third of televisions in Canada were tuned to that concert yeah and I think about what you were for Washington is like not to be too reverent or whatever but like that was the closest thing that we get is like what you meant what to Washington and how you know you became a figure for this community but I almost it's kind of bittersweet having the Olympics or having softball back in the Olympics because I think oh you guys are about to see what you missed out on (laughs) like 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 I, I think of of I don't know exactly how to put this, but it seems like you were such a revered figure at Washington that naturally it feels like you would be a perfect candidate to kind of be in that kind of like echelon of, of Canadian. Um, I know I've used the word beloved a lot, but like yeah, <laughs> being, being beloved in a way that, that only really exists, I feel like in Canada kind of. Does that yeah. make sense? Or did I just say a lot of garbage? <laughs> no, no, no. I get what you're saying. I like, when I think about those UW days, I am not the person that I was that national championship totally. year. If I did not go through the absolute shittiest of trenches that Olympic year, yeah. it was some of the hardest, darkest days for me as an athlete that I've ever had to go through. Um, and I looked like, for me, it was like, knowing that I, my freshman year, my sophomore year were done. I had two years left and I had this Olympic games in the middle of it. So if my career were to stop after the Olympic games, where we came fourth, which is just an absolute dagger, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're so close. And we were, we, we just watched that game last night where we were winning in the bronze medal game. And then we lost Mm -hmm. and it's definitely heartbreaking. But if I don't go through all of those moments, like I don't say to myself, what legacy would I leave at Washington if I were to stop right now? Like if Mm -hmm. I only had my freshman and sophomore year to go off of, like, so for me, it was having a little bit of this mentality, like Michael Jordan would put it. I'm not comparing myself to Michael Jordan, but like watching (laughs) the last last dance where he would just like make shit up in his head and say stuff to just absolutely make him go ham. That was my attitude after the Olympics. It was just like, F this, like no one believed that like I could be someone that could help or impact this team. That was a 21 year old mentality. We had a a vet on our second Olympics, Lauren Bay, that was thrown a lot. Who's actually with us now too, which is very surreal. Um, But I was a young, naive 21 year old kid that wanted the ball in my hand all the time. And I didn't get that experience. And so for me, being bitter about it fueled my fire to become the player I was in 2009. I don't recommend that. I would not say <laughs> that to my kids that that's the way to go about it, but it truly changed me mentally to put myself in the space to be like, let's go. Like if I'm the only one you got in the circle, no one's going to beat me because I literally have never had to deal with what I just dealt with. Nothing is going to be harder than that. Besides the UMass game, nothing is going to be harder <laughs> than that. Um, but like the legacy that I've 
that I've left is like, it almost seems surreal a little bit. Like I was just playing softball and doing what I knew was right, you know? And it's when we won, the amount of people that we impacted was so special. And it's like, I was so proud to have won it for the University of Washington when we lifted that trophy up and it's like, that's the first like one for Washington, Mm -hmm. but just for like everyone around, like we went back and it was like, I think the Seahawks were terrible. I think the Mariners (laughs) were brutal. I don't think we won football one again. Pretty good odds. Yeah. So it's like, we won at a time where people needed winners. And the fact that it was a woman's sport was the most badass timing of it all because people like gave UW softball, like a sniff and they'd always been knocking at the door. The people that came before before us had been there they'd been in the national championship but they just weren't able to just you know make it happen and we did and so for me it's like when that moment happened I was so proud to be this small town Canadian girl but man for Washington I was um that's why I think I was in tears for so long it's like you you don't just win it for you and your team you win it for the people that have come before you for the people that turn on your game every day and go like wow I can't wait to watch this like Mm -hmm the little eyes that are on you that are aspiring to want to go play softball at the university of Washington, all of that. Um, and I mean, to, you know, to comment on the Canada stuff, like you're so right. Like Canada is great at loving it's Canadian people. Like we just did a masterclass on Wayne Gretzky and I'm, you know, I, I just get blown away with greatness. Like mm-hmm. it, it fires me up and it makes me always want to be better. And we had to sit around in a team uh, little huddle last week and like, just kind of like explain like our why, like, why are we doing this? And besides obviously like my kids and, and me, like, and my family, it's like, my why is to try to make history for Canada. We've never done it. That's a big deal. Like when you get to be a part of that, no one can ever take that away from you. Yeah. No one can take a, a medal away from you anyways, but to be a part of the first, there's nothing like it. Um, eyes and goals on the prize all the way. Nerves for sure, but <laughs> nerves mean you care and nerves mean that there's a lot riding on it. And there is to say that there's not pressure would be stupid. Yeah, there's pressure. It's going to be yeah. the most competitive Olympic games for softball that there's ever been most yeah. competitive yeah. that it's ever been. Um, but that's when the bulldogs rise, man. That's when you see what you're made of. And it's, it's why you train to the level that you do to prepare yourself for that. Because at the end of the day, it's just a game, but what you bring to the table is where you see what you're made of. So it's why I love these moments, right? Mm-hmm. I love that you say talk about like 2009 and what that meant, especially because, I mean, you couldn't be more right about like how garbage, you know, sports aren't, they're just, they're just there, but they were everything, every team in the Northwest sucked so bad that year. I know. Um, except for maybe, I don't know, the Canucks or something, but, um, uh, but I, that's, I think when you were saying that, that kind of made something pop into my mind that, that I think, I, I mean, how old, I think I was like 14, I think when, when you guys won that and, and that, is what when I think of how it felt watching that happen, uh, mm-hmm. I'm like, I want all my Canadian friends to, you know, granted they're all adults now, but yeah. like, I want all my Canadian friends to like know what it felt like to be like, yeah. that's our people, like, that's our yeah. people, and they just did it, and they, you know, they're amazing, and we didn't do anything, but it still feels like it's like it's for us, kind of almost. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, I, yeah, that's kind of a game where I like once, a, once every year or so I go down a rabbit hole and I'm like, I'm just going to watch Daniel Laurie strike out this last batter for Florida. <laughs> I'll take so. it. Kind of the alternate timeline of if the Olympics you'd been able to play in one or two in the meantime and how, how your career might've been shaped differently, but also yeah. the goals that you're setting for yourself and for your team. Now, how do you think, I mean, you know, it's easy for us to say as people not participating in it, but it does shape a pretty cool narrative for, for a viewer that, you know, the, the, the options weren't there and you come back all this time later um, and, and kind of push through it and fight through what has yeah. to be more adversity to get there. How does that change how you've set goals for yourself and for your team and, and, what do you, how do you take that with you uh, going into the Olympics this summer? Like, what, what do you want to get out of this? And how do you think that's different from what it would have been if you had got to go four years after the first time? Yeah, it, it definitely means more, <laughs> right? Because you haven't, you haven't got to go in those last two cycles and it means more. And it's, but you, it's like, you can't make it bigger than it is, but I can also really notice this timing of just things and team meetings and the way things are going, like the, the vets, like we come out in a way where it's like, we use that experience to help better the group, which we, and I did not have in 08, but like there's me communicating with people and saying things to people and getting to know people on a whole other level that I never would have given a shit about in 2008. But what I learned at Washington is that like, if you want to win, it's not always the most talented team. Like, that's just the truth. You're, we're not, we don't have the best 15 players in the world. Like we just don't. Yeah. But I'll be damned like that. There is any other team that has put forth this effort, especially throughout a pandemic to better mm -hmm. themselves like our group. Yeah. And we've had some really hard conversations. We, a lot of different things, but, um, the vulnerable conversations are the ones where you're able to look at each other and be like, dude, all we got is each other. So how are we choosing to go? Like, we don't get the same 08 where it's like, you play seven round robin games, you're in the village for three weeks, you get all these things. We've trained our absolute lives. And for me, looking at the last, what will be four years for five games, mm -hmm. five games, one place, two for a gold and three plays four for a bronze. What the hell is that? It mm -hmm. sucks, but that's what we got to deal with. So it's like, setting yourself up to learn when we get to those moments where the shit hits the fan and the pressure's so tight and you literally feel like your heart's going to like beat through your chest. How can we come together in those moments? How can someone like me, if I'm not the one in the circle, how can I connect with Sarah or someone that may be out there in that moment to allow them to know that they're going to be okay? Because the biggest thing that I continue to say is like, you can't fear the moment. Cause if you fear it, then like, you're not, you're not prepared for it. So it's like, our goal is to try to prepare our team to the best of our ability of knowing that there's no one better for the job. You're not changing your swing. I'm not changing the way I pitch. You're not changing the way you hit, but damn, the confidence is what makes people shine. So how can we get ourselves in that position when we step on a plane on July 6th, um, where it's like, we fully feel like we are unite, a united group of 15 women that are going to literally run through a wall for each other. And that COVID year has been an absolute like heartbreak for the world. Um, but when I look at like what our team did throughout that year, as far as like digging deep into your soul about what you bring to the table, um, 
we got better. We're not the same team that we would have been competing last summer right now. We're night and day different. Um, you obviously don't want to go through a pandemic to get there, but you feel lucky that you just got that extra time to figure it out because I was, I was as depressed as ever when they said it was, when it was postponed, I was like, F it. Like I'm done. I'm not playing. I looked at my husband and I was like, I'm done. Like, I didn't think I could replicate the work that I had just put in. Cause I thought in my brain, I worked harder than I ever have. Mm-hmm. But then it was all these things of like, well, letting my kids down, like when it gets really hard, like that's the first thing that they're going to think of. Like I bailed cause it was hard. Mm-hmm. What the hell does that show them? Like I've been mm-hmm. doing this for them and to push through adversity. And when it gets really hard, why would I quit? And then I think about like some of these women, like I've been playing with Jen and Raph and Lauren, like we went to the Olympics together 13 years ago, getting another chance at it. No, not one other team has that. There's been women on this team for 12 years without an Olympics yeah, grinding every single summer. So it's like, you do it for something so much bigger than yourself. Um, and it is a business trip as, as, as like I said, that I'm trying to make it. Um, it is just a game, but at the end of the day, like I've dedicated my life to this. I'm taking 60 plus days without seeing my little kids and hugging them. Mm-hmm. Um, it means business to me. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. you know, you're sacrificing. Yeah. We all are so much to say mine is any better or worse. It is not. We're all battling our own like demons throughout, but um, I like where we're at. I'm, yeah. I'm excited. I'm calm, cool and collected about it. And soon enough, dude, we're hopping on a plane. It's actually kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I've been, if anyone who like hears this, who follows me on Twitter, for example, will not be surprised when I say that I'm pretty much rooting for Canada. This Olympics, like there's Thank some you. sports where I root for the U S but a lot of stuff. I it's like, what will bring the most joy depending on who wins? And I'm like, I can't, I can't not root for Canada, but I also, okay. This thought popped into my brain the other day that was like, Okay, you're obviously on Team Canada. Obviously, your kids and your husband are rooting for Team Canada in softball because mm-hmm. they're not evil. Um, but then I realized, wait a minute, there is or, is your husband American or? Yeah. Okay, so I'm like, he's American. Your kids are live in America, and then I realized, like, are they a house divided when it, when the other when other Team Canada and Team USA? I think did, immediate family probably trumps this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, you no, can't no, get no. over that. Yeah. Like for <laughs> like, other I'm sorry, sports, it's a like flag. not obviously they're rooting for Team Canada in softball, but I was like, wait a minute, like in volleyball or whatever. Like, like, do they have to like watch in separate rooms? No, Maddie's just excited to see the little gymnast flip up and down. Yeah. She doesn't even know what's going on. I think, like, I think Andrew obviously would pull for Canada first over the u.s mm-hmm. if we're talking the boston red sox or the patriots it's a completely different story he's a boston <laughs> boy like he's diehard but when it comes to like the olympics in canada like he knows that like i bleed for my country yeah. and he's like, fully on board um and he better keep that shit quiet <laughs> if, if it is yeah <laughs> you gotta like convert him in yeah, yeah. okay oh, I figured what I if was you like... do a victory tour and you play the red sox <laughs> yeah um, Oh God, he would just want me to do well, but ultimately he'd want them to win. I bet. Yeah, like a, a one zero win on an under run. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh my God, that's I that's I do kind of wonder how I, how I'll feel when like it when like Australia plays Canada because like with the obviously the U.S. has Ali Aguilar on it and it ha, and Coach Tar is like an assistant coach, but then I'm like, but 
when you have, when you if if we get a game where it's like you versus Gabby playing, I'll still be rooting for Canada because I have because I I'm practically an adopted Canadian, but I I do know it's going to be one of those things where it's like I hope one they both pitch perfect games except for one of them just gives up a home run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, um, I mean I think that's that's mostly it for for uh, for today unless no. I think that's pretty pretty much yeah. it. We really appreciate it. I, I yeah. somebody with no uh Canadian no reason to root for Canada. Uh, you've got me pretty yeah. fired up about it, and I'll certainly at least hope that you all get on the medal stand or podium. That's what they call it in the Olympics. But yeah. thanks so much. You're super generous with your time. It was really fun Thank to you. talk to. Uh, yeah. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, maybe sometime down the road, you can come to a victory lap. Uh, show <laughs> us your your medals. We usually end these shows with a plug for a TV show or a book or an album or podcast or anything uh, that you have, that we've been listening to or watching or whatever. Um, so before you do go, I do want to hear if you have anything, any, any, any show or, or anything that you've mm-hmm. been listening to or watching um, that you think other people would benefit from or would enjoy. Okay, well, I yeah. want, I, I wish this was a new show, but it's not. I'm going <laughs> on watching Breaking Bad for the eighth time. Um, nice. We just I'm rewatched a- that this year. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so it's good. like, every, it is, there's nothing like it. Nothing like it. Um, I'm a big crime junkie podcaster. <laughs> I listen to that. That's very classic. Um, yeah, that's kind of it. I mean, someone asked me the other day what my favorite book was. And I'm waiting for a Canadian soccer player to come out with a badass book. But like Carly Lloyd came out with a book and I read it in within nine hours on a bus ride. And it like completely changed my perspective on like badass women. So the Carly Lloyd book with Team USA Soccer, she's like nothing I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. All right. Breaking Bad, Carly Lloyd, and just like the concept of murder podcasts. Yes. Yes. Andrew, what's your what's your plug? Uh, well, when you said that, but the books you've been reading, the books I've been reading lately, I get, went down my own rabbit hole. I've just read like one book after another about slavery. The last one I read was outstanding. Yeah, it's not, it's not. And we've been watching the Underground Railroad on Amazon Prime, which is also just like, I have to some nights just take a break from the books because the, the TV shows like too, too debilitating. But the oh, last one I read was phenomenal. It's called How the World is Passed by Clint Smith. This is academic who went to a bunch of sites uh, like uh, Angola prison in New Orleans and um, Main Street in Manhattan, where they, you know, used to be a, a, a slave market at places like uh, in, in Africa that were slave trading sites and, and told the stories of the individual locations and what it was like to go there. And it was pretty powerful, very well written. So uh, if you if you need something to really bring you down, um, maybe <laughs> you wait for after you get back from Japan to read that one, but uh, everybody yeah. else maybe can read it. <laughs> Jesus, I feel like such a, um, I, I thank God my submission this week is like light because <laughs> between murder and like the slave trade, um, I, <laughs> I, I, uh, have, I have, have, um, not had the emotional bandwidth as it's been said to watch anything more than like public television for the last two months. Um, but I did s- start watching the first few episodes of, I think it's BBC or ITV or whatever of the Durrells and Corfu, which is, uh, 
pretty it's like it's it's a show set in the 30s i want to say about this british family this widower and her four kids who are range from like 11 to 20 or something uh who go move to the greek island of corfu and it's very it's like it's very charming and you don't usually think of period dramas as being like genuinely funny but it's like crosses the line into comedy and i appreciate that which but also before we do end um speaking of crossing the line into comedy i do need to do a plug for just a concept which is that um if you're listening to this from bc or washington or whatever um stand-up is coming back and um i can say since i started uh doing it in vancouver i can say with full full confidence that um, the talent in Vancouver is, it's one of the greatest stand-up cities uh, I've experienced. Um, Also in Seattle, there's a lot of shows coming back both outside and inside. Um, So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, gee, the world is opening up. I want to go do things. Oh no, what is there to do? Um, Please go find uh, the comedy underground closed, but you know what? Independent shows were better anyway. so go 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 search out some of those um, because there's a lot of really really talented people um, and and I will also be on some but uh, but yeah I I just need to I need to shout that shout that out to anyone listening to this um, just because because everything is happening again um, and and it's it feels bizarre and like it would be easier easy to forget so that's my submission. All right. Well, thank you, Gaby. Sounds good. Thanks again, Danielle. And thank you all for listening. And I usually say go dogs, but also go Canada. Yeah. Go Canada. Go.